You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you've seen something strange, a cryptid like Bigfoot, a ghost, a UFO, anything paranormal, and you want to share your story, or if you know of a story you think we should cover, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. On tonight's show, we will be talking with Ryan, who has several encounters with something that was around his home in Pennsylvania when he was a kid. We live in Pennsylvania. <laughs> It wasn't close to us, was it? <laughs> no, it was not. This is in Beaver County, I believe. I don't even know where Beaver County is. That's how sad my ge- geographical skills are. It's out in that area that's both near Ohio and West Virginia. Oh. They don't call that the Four Corners, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's because there's only three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he has these encounters with... I, you know, I'm, I have to be very careful about calling it Bigfoot because we make this point in several of the interviews around where the footprints end that you have to be careful about calling things Bigfoot when you do not see a creature. 
Now, he did see something. He did see mm-hmm. three figures at one point, but he doesn't know if the three figures he saw were what was doing these other strange things that were happening in the woods. Were they so furry forth. things? They were too far away to, to get a good, oh, okay. a good they view. Were, they were just literally he, figures. He saw three upright figures. But with all the strange stuff that's going on around his house in these woods, it certainly seems like Bigfoot encounters. They're very, very interesting to talk with Ryan. Hey, Tim, say for instance, right now your puppy was strange. In 90 days, do you think he could be familiar? (laughs) Do you think you could build a relationship with him? If you're having trouble with that, 90 days to the perfect puppy can certainly help you. Make your strange puppy familiar. (laughs) 90 days to the perfect puppy can help you understand your dog and the way your dog thinks. And use proactive training methods to develop a wonderful relationship with you and your dog. It's about you and your dog learning to become perfect with each other. Building your love language. In a sense, I think so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a relationship-based approach to help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. There are online sources, video lessons. There's a secret Facebook group you can access. Other people who are raising their puppies often have questions or they can share solutions that they've come up with. And you can interact with Tina and the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy staff there. One-on-one options are also available. You want to go to sithappens.us and look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. We'd like to thank Sit Happens, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy, and Tina for sponsoring Strange Familiars in more ways than one. They also purchased us a new handheld recorder for on-site recordings. Arlwind had been dropped many, many times and was on its way out, so more on-site episodes will be courtesy of Sid Happens and 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy, and we'd like to thank them for all they do to support Strange Familiars. Remember, that's 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. You can find it at sithappens.us. And now let's go to our conversation with Ryan. Tonight we're talking with Ryan, who has some possible Bigfoot encounters to share with us. It certainly sounds like Bigfoot. Can you uh, tell us about when and where these happened? Yeah, absolutely. It all happened in Beaver County, Pennsylvania. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. It's about, oh, I don't know, maybe an hour, uh, maybe 45 minutes north northwest of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. right on the Ohio border. Ohio and West Virginia both border the county that I grew up on. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, they all started basically back in the early 90s. The first experience I'm going to say was, I, I, I believe it was 1991, maybe 1992. It was January. Uh, me and a bunch of buddies, we were out sled riding. We used to sled ride on the power lines. And we went to the, the first hill that we would go to on the power lines where we were sled riding all day. And there was something or somebody, it was, it was kind of pacing the tree line off to, off to our right, maybe 100 yards away, 75 yards away. And at the time, there was, there was a rumor that there was a, a crazy farmer that lived on the other side of the woods and he would chase kids out of the woods if they got too close to his property. 
I later found out that that wasn't true. There was no crazy farmer over there. But at the time, that's what we thought. That was the stories that we were told. Right. So we thought it was this crazy farmer pacing the tree line. And I remember one of my buddies, like, you know, saying to me, man, I wish I had my pellet gun, which, you know, when you're 11 years old, you think you can do damage with it. But <laughs> so we, we heard it going on for about a half hour and it stopped. And then as the day went on, we decided to go to, there was a secondary sled riding hill that we would go to that was actually in the woods, in the tree line that we called the windy hill. Um, and it was an old, I guess it had been dug out. I'm guessing from guys, you know, riding probably quads and, uh, you know, ATVs and stuff like that up this hill. We decided to go there before going home for the night. And when we got there, that was when we started hearing this. As soon as we got to this hill, we started hearing this vocalization. And I've never heard anything like that before in my life. It was so loud and so powerful. Um, and it was like, a, I'm not going to do it justice, but I'll try. Okay. But it was like, a, you know, and it did it in three sets of three. And like I said, I'm not doing this justice at all. But uh, I did it in, in three sets of three. And I'm guessing it sounded like it was coming from the valley below us that was maybe a quarter of a mile away. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the woods just got like a, a super creepy feeling when it happened. It, again, another feeling that like I haven't had, you know, it, up until that point, I'd never had that feeling. And it was, it was about six of us, five or six of us. And we're all looking at each other wide-eyed. You know, we don't know what's going on. And one of the older kids, who I say older, he was like 12 or 13. He says, well, that's just, that's a deer mating call. That's just a buck. And so we all kind of, okay, well, you know, he knows what he's talking about. And we actually started yelling back in the direction and, you know, being little, little kids where, you know, right. she thinks you're ugly, go away. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and we just commenced sled riding and we didn't think much of it. We spent about another hour there. Didn't hear anything. Didn't see anything. Starting getting a kind of twilight, getting dark. So we, we eventually, we, we went down to the creek. We followed our way back out to the power lines and sort of walking up the last hill of the power lines that, that eventually leads up to the neighborhood. And there's about two thirds of the way down the power line towards the bottom was a fence that the owner of the property had put there because a couple of summers before that, I think a high school kid on a dirt bike had, I think he had crashed on the, on the power lines and he got busted up pretty good. And they were trying to deter um, people from riding ATVs and dirt bikes there. Mm -hmm. This fence line was about, like I said, two thirds of the way to the bottom of the hill. I would say there's a, there's a creek at the bottom of the hill. The fence line was maybe 50 yards up from the creek and at least a hundred yards down from the top of the hill. Um, so anyway, we make our way out of the woods. We, we go around the fence line. The post of the fence line was right in the tree line and you'd have to kind of shimmy your way around. And there was like hawthorn and crab apple trees and you'd have to shimmy your way around the fence post to get there. We get up to the top of the hill and one of the kids turned around to throw a snowball and obviously something caught his attention and he was like, look, and he pointed down the hill and we all turned around and right at the fence line, kind of towards the bottom of the hill were these three figures and they were just standing there. 
one was all white the other two i they they must have been darker i'm not sure the there was three of them one was all white one was a little bit into the tree line where i couldn't see i couldn't see it very well we could see the person or whatever it was standing there but couldn't make out any detail and then there was a smaller one maybe a couple i don't know maybe i'd say about 10 10 yards down the hill from from the other ones and it was moving the other two the little one was moving a lot the other two were just standing stone not moving and obviously they must have followed us out of the woods because they were right there when we got to the top of the hill so we turn around and start yelling down you know like who are you and hello trying to get some sort of you know an answer back i guess or something and there was right, nothing yeah. just stood completely still just staring at us like you know no response no nothing no acknowledgement that we were trying to communicate with what we thought were people and it was just a, it was a really freaky thing and we ended up at that point we all just turned and ran everybody kind of ran back up to the street to their houses and i remember that night i was having dinner and my stepdad who's he's an outdoorsman he's a hunter he grew up on a farm he's been out in the woods his whole life and i was saying to him hey there's a buck down in those woods you know maybe you want to try go hunting down there and he's questioning me you know why do you think there's a buck down there and i said you know well we heard the mating call and i replayed it for him and he just kind of got this like confused look on his face and he says well that's no buck mating call and the rut season's over he's like i don't know what you heard but that that wasn't a deer hmm. you know and i just kind of filed that away and a lot of these experiences and i'll say up front a lot of these you know and this was the early 90s there's no internet there's no podcasts right. my only knowledge of bigfoot was the patty film or the abominable snowman right you know yeah, that, that's what i i tell people a lot like in pennsylvania and maryland we didn't have this idea necessarily of Bigfoot being there. I mean, some people did, but I think, I think to most people, Bigfoot was like out in the Northwest. It, it wasn't something that was here. So when you encountered right. something like this, it, like Bigfoot didn't necessarily come right to mind. Right. Exactly. Um, and that was kind of my thought. I actually even remember it, around the same time period, it might've been a year before a year after they had on the local news channel in Pittsburgh where somebody had seen, or there was footprints, um, tracks in the snow. And it was actually on the morning news that they had found tracks. And I remember thinking, like, well, how could a Bigfoot travel all the way from the Pacific Northwest to Pennsylvania without getting caught? Right, you know, right, yeah. It, it couldn't, you know, it's got to go over the Mississippi River. It has to walk across the bridge, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a long and that was Right. And that was my mind frame, you know? So, like, a lot of these things I just kind of, like, filed away as, I, you know, weird experiences, I suppose. Well, before we move <laughs> to the next one, how far again did you say that they were down the hill from you when, when you sighted these figures? When we when we saw them at the fence line? Yeah. Uh, at, at least 75 yards away. Okay. And it was a pretty steep hill. Um, like the power lines there... Uh, I, they were pretty steep. I don't want to commit to like, say like a 45 degree angle, but it was a pretty steep hill, but yeah, almost, I would say about at least 75 yards away. Mm -hmm. 
And the one that you said was all white. Did you think it was like a guy in a white snowsuit or something? Or you know, that, that's exactly person? what that's. Yep, that's exactly what we thought it was. Okay. So yeah, it was it, it was extremely strange. Um, but like I said, we didn't we didn't put much stock on it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, this was also you know the satanic panic, you know, right? The, you know. Where everybody thought there were devil worshippers in their woods. Right, right, yeah. So, and we just kind of chalked it up as that, you know, and just kind of, you know, moved on like it never happened. As kids do. Right, yeah, exactly. Did, um, did you go sledding there again? Not that year. We did not go that year because, and actually we wanted to. We were going to go back a week later. And I think I put in the email, so our next door neighbor was in law enforcement. And he called my mother and he called the other, uh, some of the other parents in the neighborhood, all, you know, the kids that, that hung out and told them to keep us out of the woods. And here, I guess, on the other side of the woods was, it was a sheep farm called Mamula's Meats. And I guess something had been killing the sheep hmm. and I, the, the cops didn't know what it was. From what I gather, from what he told my mom was they were thinking it was a big cat but I don't know what led them to believe that or not, or if that was just what my mom was telling me. But, um, yeah, we were told we weren't allowed to go in the woods. We had to stay in the front yards, you know, especially after night, we, you know, after dark, we had to be in the, the street lights. In the morning when we would go to the bus stop, the parents would take turns carpooling so we could pile up in the vans because they didn't want anybody standing by the woods mm-hmm. at the bus stop in the morning. And that went on for a good two months, at least until spring. So that was January. And I, I, we did that until at least April, you know, every morning. And we just knew you weren't allowed to go in the woods. Wow. And that's you're not that's an interesting detail. You know, that's a, that's a pretty mm-hmm. interesting detail because there are predators around in Pennsylvania in the form of bears and stuff. And they might tell you to... You know, by you, I mean kids, you know, it's, it's hard to keep kids out of the woods. It really is, you know. Right. So that's just an interesting detail. Not to beat too much on it, but uh, I'm, I'm just curious, were there any other details you could see in those figures? Not really from how far away it was, and it was pretty dark. Mm-hmm. But oh, now okay. the, it was getting, getting dark at this time. It, it was getting dark. Yeah, it was yeah. almost completely dark by the time we got to the top of the, okay. the power lines there. Okay, yeah, yeah. But... Now, the next summer, I remember that, that following summer, we were going down in the woods. We used to go pick uh, blackberries would grow all along the side of the, the power lines there. And we had gone down to go pick blackberries. And I remember that summer shimmering, like shimmying around that fence post and looking up at it and realizing how tall that fence post was. And it bringing, bringing me back to that, that evening, that winter you know, the previous winter. Right. I'm just thinking like, wow, that was a tall dude, you know, yeah. but I, again, I didn't put anything, you know, I didn't think anything of it. Right. Um, yeah. And being that it's on a hill now, I don't know. It's on a steep hill. So size changes quickly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the optics are a little different than. Right. Yeah. But from, like- from, from what I could tell, he was right there at the fence post and he was every bit as tall of it, as tall as it. <clears throat> and that post had to be at least seven feet tall. Okay. So I do remember that. Yeah. So actually that's spring. So like I said, you know, eventually 
things kind of calmed down where we were allowed to go back in the woods and the parents weren't freaked out about us being outside. I guess everything kind of just passed over. We ended up, it was my birthday. For my birthday, I got, I got a tent. And I think it was the first weekend of summer vacation. So I'm going to say it was early June. So, and like I said, this must be 92 is what I'm going to go with. So I got a tent and we pitched it. We pitched the tent right there on the power lines where pretty much where we had had that, that sighting the, the pre, that earlier that winter. So the way the power lines go from the street above, you can walk about 200 yards down and it's a very gradual slope. But when you get down there to where you can't see the street lights, you can't see the houses above, maybe there's a little bit of ambient light. And then the power line, it drops down kind of steep. And then there's like, I guess you would call it a step where it, it kind of like flattens out for like 30 yards, maybe um, front to back. And then from the wood line to wood line, left to right is probably another 50 to 75 yards wide. And we decided to pitch the tent there. So we weren't really camping out and roughing it. It was about as close to the woods as we felt comfortable being, <laughs> you know. So we had we had all of our weapons. We had our, you know, street hockey sticks and baseball bats and hatchets and stuff. And <laughs> we went out. So we went, we went out to the tent around 1030 at night. And we were laying there with our head towards the back of the, the power line, where the power lines would head down into the woods. And our feet were towards the door, which would be facing the road above. We fell asleep, I'm going to say, around 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. The next thing I know, my buddy that's laying next to me, and four of us was in this tent. My buddy that was laying next to me starts elbowing me in my ribs. And I sit up, and I'm getting ready to, to give him some for waking me up. And he's holding his finger over his mouth and, you know, wide-eyed and trying to catch my attention. And we start, I started hearing, I guess what he had been hearing was something was walking up the hill from, from down by the creek. It was coming up the hill, but it was in the tree line, not coming up the power lines. Because you could hear it going through all the brush. And like I said, it was crab apple trees, hawthorn trees. It's just, you know, you, they snap. And mm -hmm. You can't be quiet going through those. Right. So it's coming up the hill, and you can hear it coming up the hill. And it comes all the way up until it's completely parallel with the tent, but in the tree line. And then it walks right out into the middle of the power line, stops for maybe like 20 seconds. We couldn't hear any breathing or noises or anything like that. We could hear where it walked up to and stopped. And then it did a complete circle around the tent and then walked up to the back of the tent and just urinated on it. While we're all, you know, we're just laying there just urinated on the back of the tent and then turned around and walked right back down the power lines, but it didn't go back to the tree line, went straight down the trail, like straight down the, the clearing of the power lines back down towards the Creek. So we waited until, I don't know, a good three or four minutes and we didn't hear anything. And I remember poking my head out of the tent and looking both ways, not seeing anything. And we just made a run for it, ran all the way back up to the neighborhood, slept in my buddy's basement that night. Wow. And, what we told ourselves at the time was we thought it was like a drunk guy that had gotten lost in the woods, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it, it, you know, 12 years old, that made sense. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. looking back on it as an adult and I've been drunk and probably even lost in the woods, you're not just going to randomly walk up to a tent and urinate on it and walk back down into the woods. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just, good way to get shot. 
<laughs> right. It yeah. makes no sense. And if you're lost, aren't you just going to head up to the road above, you know? Yeah. So it was strange. Um, we went back down the next morning to break the tent down and get all of our stuff out of it. And the back of the tent had a very, it was like a waxy, it had like a waxy feel to it. It was really the only way that I can describe it. It would, it would like stick to your fingers. Not, not slimy, but waxy. We broke the tent down. We took all of our stuff out. Nothing had been messed with or anything like that. Um, we broke it all down. I remember dragging the tent home and laying it out in the yard and taking hot soapy water and a tire brush and just scrubbing it, scrubbing oh. it, scrubbing it. For years after that, it just always had this real strong ammonia urine smell to it that I just wow. I could never get out. Did the stain come out? There was no stain. There was, was no, no stain. St- it was a, oh, wow. it was a waterproof. It was a waterproof tent. So I don't know if it just, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess right. it did. Yeah. There was no stain, but you could definitely feel it with your, you could feel it with your fingers if you touched it. Yeah. Like, like um, you said that, like waxy feeling. That is bizarre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I've never heard anything like that. So, no. you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to try to, you know, draw conclusions that aren't there, but. Right, right. You know, at the same time, looking back on it from you know years later, like I don't. How else do you explain that? You know. Yeah, I mean, especially something kind of crashing through the woods, and I mean, I know you're a kid, but it's as best as you recall it. It sounded like something bipedal. Like it didn't sound like you know an animal. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, I thought it was my buddy's dad coming to mess with us, like to scare Mm. us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Until it started pissing on the tent. And I'm like, well, I know his dad's not going to do that. Right. You know, and that was where kind of like we all got kind of got freaked out. Like I was actually expecting when it first started happening, like to hear this laugh or something. And then we hear urine hitting the tent. It's like, okay, well, that's not my buddy's dad, (laughs) you know. Right. And it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's a, you know, it's a little subdivision, but it's not in a built up area. You know, I mean, it's all surrounded by woods. Mm -hmm. Because like a drunk person, there's no bars in the area. Like it just, it makes no sense, you know? And then like, it was, it was purposeful, you know, which was kind of what got me. It was purposeful because it came up through the tree line to get to the tent. But after it pissed, it, it ignored the tree line and went just straight down the middle of the power lines. Yeah. So it was kind of like, there was an intent behind it, which I don't, you know, I don't understand that, but. Right. Yeah. It was was odd. No. Yeah. That's really bizarre. I'm reminded of in one of the areas I do a lot of research. I've talked about it before. I found like, like a maybe footprint. It's like, like maybe it's convincing to me, but it doesn't convince many other people. It was, it, you know, a foot shaped impression in hard packed mud. I find this on the side of the road near a bridge and I kind of followed it backwards and you could see this like wake of leaves as it came down the bank. It was like something big came down, you know, had a disturbed wake of leaves behind it. Then I look forward, you know, looking into the road. I didn't expect to see any more footprints in the road, but it pointed directly to this gigantic pile of scat right in the middle of this bridge in the middle of the road. It was really as if it was a, and, you know, I'm not saying this is Bigfoot or whatever, but, you know, whatever it was, it seemed very much like a commentary on the bridge, you know, like, like this is my area. I'm leaving this here. Screw you guys. Right. Whatever, what it just seemed like a very much a message or a commentary to, to do that right there, and it kind of reminds me of like what you're saying, like the urination thing. Like it just came up and like just marked on the tent, like you know, it's just complete disrespect or or letting you know like I'm here and this is my area. You know, who knows what the 
the meaning right. behind it was, but it seems, like you said, it seems like it has some intent behind it. That's the way it seemed to me. And yeah, and something like that, yeah, like, you know, especially you finding, like, scat in the middle of the bridge, that's not an accident, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so that was, that was, yeah, that was the way I took it. But, you know, at the same time, I would, I'd say, like, no hostility. I mean, it was four 12-year-olds in a tent. If this thing wanted to, assuming it even is a Bigfoot, you know Right, yeah, you, yeah, we don't know. Um, I mean, it could have shredded that thing easily, you know, yeah, that's, with us in it. I mean, that's another bizarre thing. And, and I was talking about this on a recent show, how much I enjoy having that thin bit of nylon between me and the outside world when I'm camping. But it means nothing. It's only a psychological barrier. That's all it is. Right. Any any animal that wants to get in there, it's going to get in there, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's odd how that's, that's the protection, you know, like the, the scared kid in bed pulling his sheets over his head. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it's a shield or something. <laughs> so that happened. And then another, and again, you know, like I said, I just brushed it off as, Hey, it's just some drunk guy down in the woods and we never really thought anything of it. And then another strange experience that we had, we would, we used to be able to cut through the woods. But there was a certain trail that we would take that kind of followed the stream. I would say we would follow this trail for at least a mile until where it came out. And I apologize. I'm outside and there's going to be a train that's going to go by. If you hear it, I'll stop talking. But um, That's all right. I'll let so you we know. would follow this stream out and uh, it would come out behind the, uh, the municipal park. And so me and my buddy went up there one day and we would walk the stream, walk through the woods. With, you know, we had our metal baseball bats with us. We went up to the municipal park and we're at the batting cages. We spent the day there. And that evening we're coming back. It's the middle of July, I would say. So it was maybe four or five o'clock in the afternoon. So still fully, you know, sunlight outside. And we're walking that trail following the stream and whacking, you know, deadfall trees with our bats and, you know, little saplings, knocking them over with our bats, just kind of being, you know, jerky 12, 13 year olds. We started hearing this right away. I started hearing it and it was like a clicking or a popping sound. And it was on the other side of the stream, but on the other side of the stream, it's a pretty, it's like a pretty steep hill, a lot of brush. There's no trails over there to walk like that. Actually that side of the stream, we used to try to stay away from because it just, we always had a, it was just an eerie feeling back there that mm -hmm. it's hard to explain, but it was like the part of the woods. We ran all through those woods when we were little. But that one section, we just never went to. Um, and I really can't explain why. So anyways, there's this clicking or this popping sound. And I remember at the time, and again, this is the early 90s, it reminded me of the alien from Predator. You know how that, it would make a clicking sound? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's accurate to say like a clicking sound. But either way, it, it kind of sounded like that. But I'm like, okay, well, that's ridiculous because that's just the movie. And I'm thinking, okay, it's a woodpecker. A woodpecker was the closest thing that I could come to, you know, rationalizing. And so I didn't think anything. We kept walking. We're still, you know, knocking over trees with our baseball bats and being jerks. And I keep hearing this clicking sound on the opposite side of the stream. And now eventually, like two-thirds of a mile down the, down the trail, it splits, it, it wise off. Like you, you can go straight and keep following the stream or there's a secondary trail that cuts to the left that kind of circles around this hillside and it's almost like a shortcut back up to the neighborhood. So we take the left and at that point I hear this clicking sound. Now we had turned left and this 
clicking sounds like in front of us. So now, like, I came to the realization, whatever that was, that it crossed the stream and it had crossed the trail that follows the stream without us noticing. And it's been following us this entire time. Um, and, and, like, immediately, I mean, the, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. Me and my buddy at the same exact moment, without saying anything to each other, just took off. Mm. We're running as fast as we could off trail, you know, crashing through, you know, thorn bushes, you name it to get out to the neighborhood. And I, I wish I would pumped him for more information because we got up to the neighborhood. Finally, we ran up there uh, completely out of breath. And I remember saying to him, I said, what, what the hell was that? And he looked at me and he was like, I have no idea. And then we just let it go. <laughs> you know, we had no more conversation about it. But whatever it was, I mean, it. And I don't know if he saw something. I didn't see anything. It was kind of a, uh, you know, a mental thing with me was like when it clicked to me that this thing had just crossed the stream and was now on our side. Right. And we didn't see it was where I freaked out. And he mm -hmm. ran at the exact same moment. And I still to this day wonder if he saw something. Because I don't think he was playing off of my emotions because it was instantaneous that we both just stopped everything that we were doing and, and just took off running. Right. So it, it was, I don't know, it was strange. And again, you know, never saw anything, but whatever it was, I mean, it definitely, it followed us for a good 30, 35 minutes through the woods. Hmm. So, you know, it wasn't a woodpecker, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that. And around the same time, I'll tell you like an interest, interesting side story. So, Around the same time, we used to hear, we would hear these weird bird calls in the woods. Well, we didn't know they were bird calls. It sounded like a little kid saying, let me out, let me out, let me out. Hmm. You know, and we thought there was a little kid like trapped in the woods. I don't know, kidnapped or something. We would actually go back looking for like a cabin, you know, thinking we we're going to like rescue this kidnapped kid. And we would hear that all the time. So then one day my mom was walking down the street and I said, I heard I said to her, I said, what is that? You know, we keep hearing that. What is that noise? She says, well, that's, that's, that's a peacock. She says, you know, um, Mr. So-and-so, and it was a house that was like maybe, I don't know, two-thirds of a mile, maybe a mile down the street. Mr. So-and-so has peacocks, and he, they, sometimes they get away and they come up into the woods. And she says, you know, I used to hear them when I was little. So we didn't pay any more attention to it. And it was like 10 years later, I was dating a girl that lived not too far from there. And I was talking to her mom and somehow the conversation came up. And I said, oh, yeah, we used to hear peacocks in the woods behind my house all the time. They would come up from Mr. So-and-so's house. And she's like, well, that's not possible because he's my uncle. He died in the 1970s and his wife got rid of all the peacocks oh, years wow. and years and years ago. I, you know, I don't know. You hear of these things mimicking, mm -hmm. you know. And again, I want to be careful to try to not draw too many conclusions, but, you know, if you're hearing a peacock in the woods and there's no peacocks near the woods, what, what, are, you, what are you hearing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty bizarre. I mean, unless somebody else was raising them in the area, but there's not a lot of houses in the area. And it's not like raising peacocks is a, a common thing, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah, the only other option is, is there a breeding population of escaped peacocks there? Well, and I actually Googled that and I looked into it and they would not be able to survive the Pennsylvania winter. That's what I was in thinking. The wild. Yeah, that's what I was guessing. I, I, I didn't know for sure, but I was guessing that. Yeah. Yeah. So just a weird correlation that I figured I would throw out there. Yeah, no, that's interesting. It's a very interesting deal. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
my guy. You're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Yeah. So, and then I would say the last weird experience that I had was, uh, it was the winter of 1995. I was dating this girl that actually lived on the, actually by that sheep farm um, on the other side of the woods. I could take the power lines from my house through the woods about a mile or so, and then kind of cut, cut out through like a tree stand to like this little back road and it would lead to her house. And so I was dating her. This was, uh, 95 so i was 15 or 16 i didn't have a driver's license so i used to ride the school bus to her house and then i'd walk home at night um, and i did this three or four times a week and it never freaked me out and i walked through the you know the power lines at night by myself like dozens and dozens of times never got freaked out i mean and on dark nights where you can't see your hand in front of your face mm-hmm. and it was one night that we had it was a snowstorm that day we actually got let out of school early um, and we we had gotten at least a foot of snow, um, and it was still snowing. And you know, at, at night when it snows, everything's bright. You know, the snow reflects the moon. And I was walking, so I was going from her house to walk home. I could have sat down in the middle of these power lines in the middle of the woods and read a newspaper. It was that bright. There was no reason for me to get scared. And there was one point where I hit, and it was like the same just the, the, the same point on the power lines that I would hit where I, I could not move any further. And I just got gripped with like weird fear. I, I was being watched and I, you're not going this way. It was like, I didn't hear anything. It wasn't anything audible or anything like that, but it was like my muscles would freeze up. Like I could not take another step forward. Mm-hmm. And I stood there like laughing at myself and thinking like, this is ridiculous. Like I was actually looking forward to walking home, you know, down the power lines. And I was going to do like a trip down memory lane from when we used to sled ride. <laughs> you know, I was looking forward to the walk and I would hit this point and I just couldn't move. And I, I couldn't do anything about it. I stood there for like three minutes, like mentally, like anguishing with myself. Like, what do you what are you doing? This is crazy. Let's go. Come on. You know, like could not do anything. And I had to turn around and walk all the way back out to really to the street. And I had to follow oh, the road home. So it's not like, um, I had a moment in the woods one time in an area where I'd hiked, you know, maybe a hundred times before I was completely familiar with it and got so scared. My knees locked up. I couldn't go in any direction, but you're saying you just couldn't go forward. You, you were able to turn around and go back. Right. Oh, yeah, I was able to walk backwards, but once I hit that one point and it was the same point every time I'd like, I could not take another step forward and it was the oddest thing. I've never experienced that before or since. And it's not like I was hitting like an invisible wall or something. You know what I mean? Right. It was just my, physically my body would not go forward. Huh. And when I did turn around, it just felt like I had eyes like on me. Wow. I started walking back, like back towards my girlfriend's house and jogged out to the street and, and ended up having to follow the road home, which was, you know, took twice as long to get home, if not more. Right. Um, 
and I wouldn't have done it because my mom had like strict, <laughs> my mom had really strict curfew, you know, rules on me. So I knew like if I left my, like I had to be home by like 930 on a school night. And I knew it was a 45 minute walk from my girlfriend's house if I went through the woods. So I would time it. You know, I was, I was 15. I was in love. I was time it to like the last second, right. you know, right. until I had to leave. And it's like, and I knew like, if I go out and walk the road, I'm going to be late. My mom's going to ground me. You know, there's no cell phones back then. I couldn't, I mean, I tried everything I could to like will myself to just keep moving forward and I couldn't. Mm. And like I said, I've never experienced that before or since. Yeah. Um, this is very strange, very strange. Yeah, who knows if we've been talking though, if you did make yourself go for it. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. But yeah. I tried and I couldn't, like I physically couldn't. It was, wow. it, it was, it was Maybe um, you said you were like looking forward to take a walk down memory lane. Maybe something big and white was also having a little walk down memory <laughs> lane that night. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're that same punk we followed out you know, a few years ago. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's creepy. So are these woods still there? They are. Um, a good chunk of them, and I can actually send you the coordinates if you want. A good chunk of them, they're, I guess, like some hotshot doctor moved in and bought up, I, I want to say, like 40 or 50 acres and, like, clear cut. Mm. He built, like, a massive house with, like, a five-car garage and has, like, a, a driving range in his backyard. Last I heard, I haven't been there in probably like 15 years and I guess it was about 10 years ago he moved in and started clearing things out but I mean a good the majority of the woods are still there the power lines are still there you can actually if you go to google earth you can still see the the creek you can actually still see some of like the trails that we used to take yeah there's a good bit there but it's not as big right but yeah. these these woods that are there see like where where I grew up in Beaver County is so like south and east of where i grew up was you had the basically the the suburbs of pittsburgh and then like the still towns that kind of follow up the river mm -hmm. north and west is all woods and we live like kind of smack in the middle so five minutes in either direction you're in two different worlds right you know but those woods aside from having to cross a a back road here or there you could probably walk I mean, I would have guessed you could probably walk through Ohio into Kentucky without without having to step foot in, in civilization other mm -hmm. than crossing like a road, you know? Right, yeah. So, and that was actually, and that was what was first had gotten my attention. It was, I think it was like 2010, I think it was Monster Quest, and they were talking about the, the Ohio Grassman. Mm -hmm. And they were doing uh, an investigation in Ohio about it. And they were in Columbiana, Columbiana County at Beaver Creek State Park. And that's what kind of blew my mind and got all my wheels turning. Like remembering these things because that's only about maybe an hour, hour and a half from where I grew up. I mean, it was only five miles from the Ohio border. But that creek that I keep referencing that we would follow and walk through was a, a tributary of Beaver Creek. Oh, okay. So yeah. what well, we actually called it Be Beaver Creek. You know, now I know in Ohio, Beaver Creek State Park, it's a bigger, you know, it's, it's almost like a small river. Right. But it eventually gets really small where, where I was, and then it dumps into the Ohio. And we were kind of right there where Beaver Creek dumps into the Ohio, really within a, a few miles. That was kind of what made me like, oh, you know, hey, I wonder if this is, because I remember that day I watched that uh, Monster Quest and ended up like Googling, you know, Bigfoot sightings in Pennsylvania. And I think it took me to the BFRO and I was like shocked. I was like, oh, wow. 
Yeah. Because there's actually some around here. Yeah. Oh, there's a good bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, really for me, and, and I was interested in the subject. I knew there was a few around, but it really took me writing my first book before I realized just how many were around. When I started digging in, I was like, oh, there's a lot. There's a heck of a lot. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, doing, I, doing the podcast, you know, I get exposed even more. Yeah. I, and I heard I heard one of the podcasts that you did. I don't I don't know which one it was on or if it was your own. But yeah, when you were talking about, you know, the old timey like sightings from from, you know, back in like the early 1900s and the wild men. And, oh, yeah. You know, like, that's crazy to me. It's like super interesting. Yeah. I think it's like it's weird that nobody pays more attention to that. You know, you would. I guess you would think, I don't know, well, maybe, you know, I'm in the weird stuff, so you would, uh, <laughs> I would pay more attention to it, but I'm surprised that, like, nobody knows about it, you know? Well, you know, newspaper archives just really became somewhat, uh, you know, available. Well, they were on microfilm, but but searchable in newspaper archives where you can really, like, search for stuff is fairly right. recent. So, there was, you know, there was a couple, like, historical Bigfoot books out there, but it just was down to like what these guys kind of ran across as they were scanning through microfilm. I have it a lot easier than they do for sure. Cause I can, you know, I have search terms I can enter and find stuff that way. But right, yeah. I'm convinced that a lot of these old articles, you know, people haven't read since they were published basically, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people would be shocked if they actually hear them. Like I remember you, you did one of the episodes where you were talking about uh, a wild man sighting in like downtown Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. where yeah. like the townspeople went after it with like shotguns and I go to Gettysburg like every three months if if not more and I was telling my wife about that and she's just looking at me like really come on in Gettysburg <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah <laughs> yeah they said it walked right down York Street which is basically Route 30 main yeah. town it was behind somebody's house and he shot it and dropped it and it got back up and chased the guy back into his house <laughs> And then uh, it, the interesting crazy. detail is they said that it walked off in the direction of Biglerville, which is like towards Michaud, which is, I mean, I just get tons and tons of sightings in, in Michaud Forest there. Oh, really? Right down there? That's in York County, isn't it? Um, Michaud goes through York, uh, Adams, and Franklin, I believe. Maybe Columbia, too. It's a big forest. Okay. See, I've been meaning to get out there, but I didn't know if it was that. I didn't know it was that big. The crazy farmer, that's the, other, the only other thing I wanted to touch on, which I, I love like how these weird things get these sort of localized stories behind them or, or you know, names like, like uh, we had one on recently where the, you know, the kids name, saw a Bigfoot and they named it the Beast. You know, they didn't know anything about Bigfoot. They just called it the Beast when they were okay. a kid. Do you think probably what people were experiencing and, and calling this crazy farmer was whatever this thing was, maybe pacing them in the woods or maybe chasing them out of the woods, et cetera? It, it, it could be, you know, and I, actually I thought about that because, so I grew up in the same house that my mom grew up in. So she knew a lot of like the, lo you know, she knew like the past things like, um, you know, the local legends or urban legends or whatever. Mm -hmm. The crazy farmer that would chase kids out of the woods was in that one area where whatever it was, was making that clicking sound where I said, we just never went over there. Mm. Um, there was nothing over there. It was just it, it was just a weird part of the woods that, like, we never saw anything. We never experienced anything. But it was like you would go over there, and it just felt, it, it just felt different. You know, the, right. the atmosphere. Like, we, you just did. We didn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. And it was in that area where everybody said, "Well, the, yeah, the crazy farmer will come and chase you out." Oh, interesting. That's interesting. 
Now, right. Did your mom grow up with the crazy farmer legend too, or mm-hmm. was that? Yeah, she did. And she said, they never saw it. They never saw him, um, the crazy farmer. And it turned out it was just actually the, the big house that was on the opposite side of those woods that everybody thought like the crazy farmer was coming from that would chase people out was just a widow that lived there, mm-hmm. you know, in her seventies. And I guess after she passed away, the kids just kind of let the house go to shit. And uh, there was no crazy farmer. Uh-huh. And that was when we realized later, like, well, okay, there's no, but that was the story. He's going to come and chase you out of the woods. If you get too close to his property, he comes and chases you out. Uh, That's so interesting. That's, and it's interesting that your mom had that, you know, same legend or story, you know, when she was growing up in the area. Right. So now if anybody that had actually like laid eyes on the farmer, I don't know. You know? Right. Right. At one time, was there a crazy farmer? I couldn't tell you, but there's no farm there. Right. You know? So it's just an old house that looks like it'd be haunted. And that's about all it is. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So, and real quick, do you care if I throw one more at you? Oh, no, please just, do. I, I want to get your take on this. Yeah, please do. Okay, so this one's, uh, one summer, right around the same time that all this was happening, me and my buddy were walking along this ridge line um, in the middle of summer, thick overbrush, and we're following this little game trail. And where it would like twist and turn, you can't see more than four or five feet in front of you at the most just because of the overgrowth mm-hmm. and we're walking along this this little game trail and we almost walked smack into these two animals and i've never heard anything about this i've googled it for years and i've never if you've heard any stories like this i'd love to hear it so there was these two animals standing there and they looked like a cross between a deer and a dog it, it was like the body of a deer with like the long neck you know, the small skinny face, probably the top of its head must have been about four and a half feet. I was 13 years old and we were almost eye level, mm. but it had, it had shaggy hair, shaggy blonde hair or blonde or, or, or like a beige hair, maybe like a dirty, dirty color hair and a tail like a dog. But I remember clearly the neck and the face being like a deer. It was like a deer dog hybrid. I've never seen and we almost walked smack into them, me and my one buddy, and they were not phased by us at all. It was two of them. One was facing us, one was facing the other way. And when we walked up to them, I could have reached out and touched it. Wow. And they just stood there. And the second one just slowly turned around and looked at us. And we both, you know, just took off running. And I remember asking him after we got out, I said, what, what was that, a deer? And he's like, no, that wasn't a deer. And I was like, so it was a dog. And he's like, no, that wasn't a dog. And we were like, what the hell was that? And I've been like Googling like a deer dog hybrid. I've, I've looked it up so many times and I can't, I can't find anything, but Did it, we walked uh, into these two things that just, I don't know. Do you remember seeing the feet? Like were they ungulate, were they hook feet or? I did not look at the feet. No, mm-hmm. we made eye contact. I really, I made eye contact with it. And when I saw its neck and then the fur was when I, like my brain just kind of short circuited. Wow. I've never seen anything like that. Was this in the same area where that other weird stuff was happening in general? Yeah. Yep. I was smack in the middle of it. Yep. Absolutely. Not surprised. Uh, actually someone has, and I can't remember where I heard this story. I don't know if it was a long time ago on strange familiars or maybe it was, I'm, I'm thinking more likely it was maybe in one of the episodes of where did the road go? Where they, where uh, Soraya shares listener stories. 
but I, I seem to remember somebody describing something like that. I don't know if it's the same thing, but something like that. They had like a roadside crossing. They were in a car and they described it. I'm not remembering all the details, but I, I've seen like the, the image you're describing is like a very similar image to what I had, you know, whenever this person described and I can't remember yeah. exactly where it was. That's interesting. I'd love, I'd love to hear another story of somebody saying this because that's been another thing that's just kind of like not away at me for years. Like I know what I saw, mm-hmm. you know, and that wasn't a deer and it wasn't a dog, but you know, I don't know if a greyhound made it with an elk, that's what it was. Wow. You know, um, wow. just the strangest thing I've ever seen. And they weren't afraid of us at all. I mean, these things just stood there and just made casual eye contact with us and you know, I was 13 at the time. I mean, we weren't little. Right. And you know, deer, you walk up on a deer, man, that's a bang. You know, oh, yeah. you see the, the cottontail disappearing over the bushes. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. these things just stood there like, we're in the trail. You're not coming this way. <laughs> you know? Wow. And there were two of them, you said. Two of them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's so bizarre, but I'm, I'm not surprised. Like that other bizarre stuff is happening around these other you know, we'll, we'll call them Bigfoot encounters. We're not sure, but the things right. that sound like Bigfoot encounters, I'm not at all surprised. Like some other weird thing would show up in the same area. That's very interesting. Yeah. 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 And it was, like I said, yep. Yep. Smack in the middle of where all of this stuff used to go on. So, you know, it's interesting. I just, I didn't want to forget to say that. You know? Oh no, no, I'm glad you shared it. That's, that's an awesome detail. That's really cool. So. All right, Ryan, thank you again for uh, sharing your stories. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. If you like what you're hearing on Strange Familiars, if you like the content we produce and you want to hear more, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. $3 a month gets you full extra episodes of Strange Familiars. We do at least one every month. Often we do more. And there are other levels of support there as well. You can check them all out, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course, as always, we want to thank our patrons, because we could not do the show without them. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation. Just go to the show notes under any episode at strangefamiliars.com. You can look for a paypal.me link, click it, and make a PayPal donation. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, by liking and subscribing wherever you're listening by leaving us those nice five-star reviews, which helps get the show in front of new potential listeners. So when are we doing this Where the Footprints End interview on Strange It's going to be soon. Soon? Okay. Yeah, as soon as I find Bigfoot. Oh, you're going to, you have to find Bigfoot <laughs> yeah. first. So. There's going to be a body, but I'm going to reveal it the same day as the interview. I mm-hmm. thought it would be a good... Just to ruin our book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically just... Just so if there was any tremendously new news in the Bigfoot community, mm-hmm. I could trump it. So, photo of the week this week is super duper cool. This is another cyanotype photo created by sunlight. Yep. And it's an image of a bat skeleton. Tis the season. <laughs> I don't think it died from COVID. I'm absolutely sure because I've had the skeleton to use in the cyanotype for a couple of years now. So, 
made by Allison? Will you be signing this? Is it available to be signed? If someone wants you to sign it, will you sign it? If there's... Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can ruin your picture for you. <laughs> this is uh, on very, very nice, heavy watercolor paper. This, it's a photo, a cyanotype photo print. So it is a photograph, but it's, a, it's kind of a print. Nice, heavy watercolor paper. Really, really cool kind of negative image of a bat skeleton. Just go to our show notes under this episode. You can see a picture of the bat skeleton photograph. You can click on that. It should take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this. This is a um, actually not even really a remotely new concept, and people have been doing cyanotypes like this. They were very co- popular during like the Edwardian ever- era. I love them. Yeah, like that blue color is really hard to Honestly, beat. Honestly, <laughs> your unzie cyanotypes are still available in the Etsy shop if people look under photo of the week. I can't believe they're still available. They're amazing to me. I, l- I love the way these look. And then at some point, we'll have to break out maybe some of the ones we've done together. Allison and I did a whole series where she did the cyanotypes and I kind of did uh, art over top of them. So I, I want to collect those maybe in a book or something someday. So we'll have to show people some of those. I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but we got new Strange Familiars vinyl stickers, William of the Fiery Flowers. They are not insignificant in size. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, they're very large. It's almost like having a little mini, sticker painting. <laughs> mini, mini print or something? Yeah, like a mini print. Hey, those are in our Etsy store. I should get copies of Where the Footprints End within the next two days. That's the message I got I, to expect delivery within two days. So very soon I will have Where the Footprints End. I put them in the Etsy shop. If you order them from Etsy, it just comes signed automatically. I've just been signing them no matter what. You don't even have to ask for me to sign it. it comes from Etsy, I sign it. If it comes from our Etsy shop, I sign it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody else has it up there. So Where the Footprints End will be back in stock. I have all four of my other books in stock for the first time since PhenomenaCon. I guess the easiest place for people to find all this stuff if they want to get it directly from us is the Etsy shop. So you can find that in the show notes. Lost Grave, one word, if you're searching for us on Etsy. I think that's it. Thank you for listening, everybody. We will be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We're on Facebook facebook.com slash strange familiars and we're on instagram at strange familiars
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.